Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. Today we're going to be discussing Chapter 28 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen and we have a special guest today, my sister Paula. I don't know how special I am anymore because this is my third, fourth podcast. Third. Third. Maybe I'm just a You're guest. still special oh. with my guest. Sorry. Well, I think you're special. So in Chapter 28... Elizabeth arrives at Huntsford, Mr. Collins shows the grounds, and Charlotte shows the house. Mr. Berg visits and invites them to dinner. It's a very short chapter, but also very, very funny. What's the bits that you found the funniest? Collins. He's so unaware, I guess, of of the um, perception that others have of him. Like, he just does not get it. He thinks that what he's showing Elizabeth is what she could have missed out on. And what's going through her head is, oh my goodness, you know, I got away from this. But he just has no idea. Absolutely none. He's so funny. So her thoughts on that in the chapter say, but though everything seemed neat and comfortable, she was not able to gratify him by any sigh of repentance. And she looked rather with wonder at her friend, that she should have such a cheerful ear with such a companion because what matters to Elizabeth is the who more than the what, I think. Yeah, and we were talking earlier about how Charlotte's learned to put up with her father for years, but Elizabeth, you know, does have her mother who is a ridiculous character, but she has Jane at home and her father who are sensible and so she's been able to deal with her mother through having those relationships but if she was with Mr Collins on her own she wouldn't be able to deal in the same way. It says once or twice Elizabeth could discern a faint blush from Charlotte but in general Charlotte wisely did not hear. And Elizabeth's not the kind of person to not hear something. Yeah. One of the things that we were talking about when I read this chapter with the Jane Austen Society was is Mr Collins obnoxious or a lovable fool? And or is he somewhere on the spectrum? You consider the way that he describes things, he numbers the trees and he really likes rules. Because earlier today I was thinking that perhaps he actually has just really low self-esteem and that's why he's always talking about like Rosings Park and um, trying to get people to like him. But I do wonder if he is on the spectrum, if that is perhaps what causes him to be that way. And if so, what does that mean about who Austin met in her life, as in who she would have modelled him off? Because it's not something that was recognised until very modern times. I couldn't tell you any idea of the dates on that, though. No, me either. As a teacher, even, you know, I've taught for 20 years, and we've learnt more and more about people on the spectrum within that time that I've been teaching. Um, And it's become more and more accepted that we must help or work alongside rather than anything else um and you know that's just the last 20 years let alone 200 years because yeah you're not trying to change people you're trying to get them to work within their own constraints to be able to do what you need them to do and i think in some ways people on the spectrum may have from what little I know of it, I'm not in any way an expert, they may have found Regency times easier because things were a lot more structured. You had rules of society and how you were meant to behave. Yeah, true. I'd never thought of it that way. Absolutely. 
the chapter says when Mr. Collins could be forgotten, there was a great air of comfort throughout, and by Charlotte's evident enjoyment of it, Elizabeth supposed he must be often forgotten. Yeah, I love that. That's, I think, probably my favourite part of the chapter. So Austin, I just think she's very, very clever. She's created this whole little world that Charlotte and Collins live within, and you can see from that one line how Charlotte has managed to cope with that. It's just gorgeous. She has her own little way of being, her own little life inside the house with uh, Collins forgotten about as he's outside doing the gardening, which she encourages him to do because it's, what does she say, good for his health? Yes, good for his health. But I think they talk about that actually in the next chapter. They talk about that it, the the gardening is good for his health and that the drawing room that she's chosen is back from the road so that she can't see what's going on. Because yeah. if she'd been in a more active area mr collins might want to be in there more <laughs> yeah in this chapter charlotte talked of the healthfulness of the exercise oh, so she does and own she encouraged it as much as possible i love the way that he can even you know point out every single tiny little thing and you know how many trees there are and it's all about how wonderful it is um, which, you know, links so beautifully and with the character that we've already met earlier on. Every view was pointed out with a minuteness which left the beauty entirely behind. I like the way it says to work in his garden was one of his most respectable pleasures because, of course, for him being respectable is um, very important. Vitally important. So you can imagine him talking about how he works in his garden, but, of course, it's it's a respectable thing for him to do. And how wonderful it is that he does it um, because that's just the kind of character that he is. So I think one of the things that shows up in this chapter is marrying for money because again it always does when we're talking about Charlotte and Mr Collins and you can see here that it's worked out well for Charlotte. She is maybe not happy but she's definitely content. Yes definitely content. You can see where she might struggle a little. She takes them over the house, extremely well pleased, probably, to have the opportunity of showing up without her husband's help. So there's always that manipulation she has to do to make sure Mr. Collins isn't around so she can actually enjoy her time. I found it weird, though, that word probably in that sentence because it is a third-person narration novel. That sentence didn't quite make sense, but you know what I mean. So we... Well, it is third-person narration, and yes, we do hear things from Elizabeth's perspective a lot, but to add that word probably just, I don't know, it just seemed a little stark to me, a little bit weird. You think it should just say she was extremely well-pleased to have the opportunity of showing up without her husband's help? Yeah. And just remove that probably. Yeah. I don't know, I guess to help us see that what we're seeing is from Elizabeth's perspective I guess that's why she put the probably in there because she's guessing what Elizabeth is feeling and how uh, sorry Charlotte is feeling and how Charlotte is coping with this marriage but it just jarred for me I don't know why it seemed a bit odd I like how they describe when they're turning up that everything declared they were arriving The garden sloping to the road, the house standing in it, the parsonage was discernible, all of this, rather than just like they were arriving. Everything declared they were arriving. It's so cute. But that kind of um, works in with uh, Mr. Collins and his personality, doesn't it? 
you know, because everything's so big and we do it and yeah, it just kind of works in with how he, you can imagine he would have been as they arrived. And he'd be like, and to our left, this is Rosings Park, and to our right, this is also Rosings Park. Yeah, yeah, the fuss he would have made. And I guess also, though, within the carriage, there would have been a lot of fuss as well because Mariah is, is young and easily impressionable and she would have been very um, excited about what was happening. And also within the carriage, of course, we have Charlotte's father, and um, Sir William is also a slightly ridiculous character, so you can imagine him being very excited and commenting on what he can see as they arrive. And you get it illustrated at the end of the chapter how excited they both are when Mr. Berg turns up. Yes. Mariah is quite shocked at the mistake that um, that Lizzie could think that it's Lady Catherine when it's not, it's Mrs. Jenkinson. And then Sir William is standing in the door bowing constantly. I mean, this is just a... Hilarious chapter. The whole thing is just very funny. And you just get these uh, lovely views of these characters that you can tell Austin enjoyed writing about. They're just... They're good fun. Yeah, they're just sort of ridiculous. And it's not a chapter that, you know, is necessary for the overall plot. If this was, you know, a film and they were working out which scenes to remove this would probably be one of those ones that ended up in the deleted scenes or the you know the extras on the dvd that you could watch that's if they make dvds anymore Hmm. you don't know if they do it would end up on youtube as you know a deleted scene from the film elizabeth is thinking about the prospect of a northern tour which was a constant source of delight which i think is interesting she's traveling at the moment and thinking about the next trip she's going to take well, I guess with this one, she doesn't know how it's going to go. That is before she gets there and realises that she can have quite a good time when she's there. Because she's, she realises that they can easily forget Mr. Collins and have good times just together. But imagine that life, though. You know, she's, uh, as you say, on one trip thinking about the next. It's not like um, she has a job that she has to go to or she has to scrub floors or anything. I mean, she does have over her head... The fact that she does need to find a husband or find a way of living, but she doesn't really have it hard at all. I imagine that you spend a lot of time being bored. Absolutely. And it never mentions her playing the piano or anything like that. It's not like she is the kind of girl who tries to, you know, better herself to impress men either. But we know she does play, obviously, and she must practice at some point because she's reasonably good at it. She's not excellent, but she's reasonably good. Yeah, but it's not like it's a passion of hers to give her life some sort of purpose, is it? Not like Mary, who spends hours at the piano and hours reading. The others just sort of idle their time away. I think I might have gone slightly mad. Yeah, I probably would too. I think there's been a lot of a lot of talk about how the current lockdown is like Regency period. <laughs> so true. That yeah. we're stuck at home, stuck with your family. For some people it is. You know, some people are having to work pretty hard. So I guess it depends who you are. Yay for feminism that has allowed women to uh, have money. Have jobs. Yeah. Own property. Have purpose, you know. Yeah, have their own dreams and pursue them. Thank you, feminists. Woohoo. All right, and that is a summary of chapter 28 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. 
My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and I wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!